spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on back to a more regular basis to date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label which is all one word dot bandcamp.com obviously now to help me with the running costs this podcast i'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it you can even do the donation through the bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts or send it over to my paypal to aem one mp at yahoo.co.uk My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Bye, guys. And the end. Spoken label. Back in the house on a Sunday afternoon. Do apologise today, guys, before we start getting going with this today. Is I've got full of a bad throat because I've got a throat infection over New Year's Eve. So if you get coughing and spluttering, apologies. On to, ironically, the area I got the book from, actually, today. So we've got a wonderful poet with us today called Holly Bars. And kudos and thank you to Mark Connors and Jill Lambert over at Yaffle Press for introducing me to Holly here because Holly's brought out a tremendous book at the back end of last year. So, Holly, first of all, then... So, people who don't know you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, then, and where your creativity came from? We'll start from there. I'm Holly. I really don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's ironic here. I'll tell you something before we start on this, and I don't normally do this. When I was talking to Holly before we started recording, you were like a machine gun at me, so sometimes you get that way, don't you get in front of a camera, and you, your mind goes blank, so... yeah. <laughs> Now, obviously, you were telling me, are you from the Leeds area, aren't you? Then? Yeah, I'm so... from Leeds. I started writing when um, a friend, so I'd, I'd spoke to a, I'd been talking to a friend recently about wanting to really write poetry. And hmm. um, 
and then a friend saw an advertisement for one of Jill and Mark's workshops. Ah, right. So you knew you knew Jill and Mark's almost right from the beginning, then, didn't you? With your it was the beginning. That's right. their they. I classed them as my mentors um, because yeah. they were there from day dot, and they've been just unbelievable support from the beginning really shepherding me in a way and just being the best kind of people you could ever want. And I'm really glad that um, the book's out with Yaffle because they're a big part of Yaffle. Um, and they really gave me a lot of freedom to do what I wanted with it. So I couldn't ask for better people, really, to be yeah. involved. Yeah, of course. I've not actually met Mark and Jill, but Jill, but I've spoke to both of them before now. Incredible people, both incredible writers, incredible supportive people. I didn't realise, actually, they'd actually been involved with you and your work almost right from that stage, which makes it, it, make, it, makes, sense, it makes sense for your collection to be out with Yaffle Press indeed at the back end of last year. So now, we have to obviously state before we carry on there, this collection is not for everybody because it, it does cover some very, very hard-hitting topics straight away. So I think we'll have to be, just go straight for this, to be honest, Holly, won't we? So now, first of all then, why the title Dirty? Because these poems started out from, so I'm also a full-time student, yeah. I'm at University of Leeds and um, I was doing a, alongside doing Jill and Mark's workshop before I started writing about sexual abuse, um, I was just writing basic poems and then I was doing this other module at uni which was a nature writing module and mm. I got obsessed with earthworms, I decided to do it all on earthworms and mm. it was, and I wrote this one particular poem that's not in the collection about this memory that I had associated with the worms and it was almost like that one poem just opened up all these other poems and so I was already using the worms quite a lot as like a device mm. and then the soil and water as well um those were devices that were coming through in the poems in quite a lot of the poems and uh I remember we were thinking of a title and I, I was throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. One of the ones that I thought of was not suitable for children. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's a good idea, that straight away, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but, yeah. but I was thinking of something that really bound the collection. And, you know, I think dirt, it was just, it was all the, it was the devices in the poems, but it was all the shame. And it was the fact that, obviously, it's called dirty, but it's not a dirty thing at all. But... It was that whole kind of linguistic approach as well. Like there's a couple of other poems like from out of the woodwork, things like that. These words that we associate with sexual abuse and survivors of sexual abuse that are just very inappropriate, really. Yeah, um, no, straight away. Straight away, because so, yeah. it's, considering like, I said 40, and I've I've started been reading on and off for a bit, a couple of weeks now. And it's been like, I was sat there and I didn't realise until you just told me before, like you, you've only been really writing for two years because the book itself, I've, I've made you, I've, I would have made you blush before. And it's like, it's one of the strongest collection, debut collections I've read in years. It's an incredibly powerful book. But I'm always a believer with writing is you've got to live through what you've done, what's going on with it. And you can see it within your book itself here straight away. So 
Should we talk about a few of the pieces then, if that's okay, to give you people the idea then, what we're, what we're talking about? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I, I for example, I'm not going to go into some of these pieces are very, very, should we say, not children friendly. So like I said, 40, if you're a child, I wouldn't listen to this podcast. But I, <laughs> no, it's just been honest, it's been honest in it straight away. But yeah, I loved, for example, the magic, the magic circle, which is your second piece in the book. Like it was like, I loved the fact in there, like it was, was looking at them and said, for like you love that. I love the use of your last lines in the pieces where a good magician never tells their secrets. And there's a, there is a, a big use of repetition of ordinary in the first stanza, which I think is really tricky to get away with the amount of repetition on that. But like I said, it's like, when did you realize you were actually writing a book? Um, I I didn't. It was Mark. Oh, approached, Mark approached me and said, um, "Would you like to do a collection?" Um, oh, and right. so I said to a couple of my poet friends, "You know, Mark's offered me this. Should I do it?" And they were like, "Yes, yes, do it." So, so then, yeah. And but I feel like. Um, because of the nature of the subject matter and the poetry, I feel like without that security of knowing that they were going to be heard, mm. I don't think I could have written them because you can only write about this for so much and then it feels like it feels almost, it's too draining, it's too much to just have them sat there not doing anything. No, they're, they, they're not those kind of poems. They have to be out in the world, you know? They can't yeah, yeah. just be sitting in the Google Drive docs not doing anything because <laughs> that would not be good um, for me, I think, you know. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely that because I've got, I've got a book dangling on myself at the moment that's just about complete and it took me a lot longer than yours to do. About diabetes, I've, I've been on British diabetic for 11 years now and it does, it's, I've, I understand what you mean that because that book set me up nearly and I think... Yeah. It's, I mean, what you've gone through is a lot more long-term and I would definitely say a lot more damage than what I've done, but mine's been bad enough. But like I said, it's like, I think you're right, it's doing what you've done in the two-year process and this. It's almost like you've put everything out there to yourself until there's probably not a lot left you can do more about wearing yourself out. So, yeah, no, I agree with you straight away in that one. So it's, it's like, like it's, um, I want to ask you a couple of questions about some of the structures from your pieces because... I really example. Just looking now. Yeah, I love them. The, the, the one of the earlier pieces as well. Here's a top tip, and I thought this was a really clever piece where he got to the example of it and it came on. People wanted on page five on the book where you're giving yourself like you're talking like you're looking for an act to give people an answer to some advice, aren't you? And you stop right before the end of it before actually giving it advice, make them think it for themselves. What made you want to do that, finish that piece off that way? Well, I could lie, but <laughs> I'm not going to. So it wasn't originally blank. And then right before I sent it to press, hmm. I sent it out to a couple of friends and I've said, could you do me a favour and just have a, a quick scan through these and see if there's anything that's like popping out and then um it's like you know for an edit and then my friend jack houston said to me on this poem 
you could take off that last bit and leave it blank and make it more ambiguous. And yeah. I decided to go with that idea because there really is no correct answer. There's just in the poem, so there's no there's no answer to what the correct answer is, but there's an answer to what not to do, you know. But yeah. to to know what to do in that situation is a really hard thing, I think. And I think that that ending for the poem is the right one. Although it's quite frustrating, my friend read it and was like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> I loved it. I actually loved it the way it was done. Actually, don't you that? Because respect to your friend Jack for helping you out with that one. Because that is, it does. It's they always say, don't you, with writing? And I'm sure Mark and Jill would have taught you this straight away in your lessons with them. It's like to show, not tell. And you've done that. You've shown. You've made like the reader think think it through themselves, aren't you? Trying to get their own answer at the end of it. So it's it's very very good writing, very very good writing, and it's even better like your friend tell Joe told you that as well. So yeah. <laughs> so, now the other one. So I'm just going for people. The other, the next piece actually, I really really enjoyed as well. Induction, and this was the one where you had like two narratives going down the page. Where people are looking at this on the manuscript will see, will you come with me? Then there's a space in the water. Then it's got like the next line, the water belongs space to everybody. So I don't want to go into the content of it, of course, because it's various reasons. But tell us about what made you want to, to do the poem, that structure. Um. So this poem, this structure came from a prompt so I can't hmm. actually remember the poem but the poem <laughs> was arranged like this but the re I feel like the reason that structure felt so appropriate because it was almost like this kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of split yeah um and I feel like that's why the structure works in it no um, it most definitely does really it's does one of my, it's one of my favorite poems in the collection actually that's one yeah. of my favorites but i mean to read it as well is it's fun because i get to i really get to change my tone a lot throughout the poem because it, just... it really does move that poem you know oh, we'll get lot... we'll get you to do that second half then definitely because i want to right. try that well, right. if you're volunteering <laughs> you will get you to do that one there is definitely second half it was like I was sat there read, reading that, like I said, one a couple of hours ago was, and I thought to myself, I thought, how the heck would you perform a piece like that? Because I can, I was thinking, if you're volunteering, that's good to be. <laughs> so, but, but okay, uh, moving on anyway. So, yeah, they, there was, like I said, there was a lot, people read this book, it's like, there were lots of good pieces in this book, there is. And I, uh, for example, I really, really enjoyed photographs from a day out as well. And uh, this was, it's again, it was down to the ending of this one again, where, and I could, I'll just be able to read it, where you change the emphasis from you to I, right at the end of it. You changed the full emphasis of the piece really, really strong there at the end of it, you did. And that, again, felt like a piece to me there, where I was like, was that one where it probably took you a few drafts to get that one right? Um, No. Wasn't it? it? Oh wow! No, it, it how oh. it looked. It came out. I mean, it did. All the poems have a few drafts. I'm constantly working on the poems, mm. but it didn't. It hasn't changed that much from when I first 
brought out. Oh, right. It's interesting that because, like, it was so. I mean, sometimes you get pieces where, and you would have had to yourself, and like, I've got pieces that go for 14 and 15 drafts and drive me absolutely crazy in the editing yeah. process. But I'm, I know you would have had the same, but I felt that was one that was, oh, that's interesting, that definitely. So, has the actual book changed then over since you first started envisaging it then? after Mark and Jill agreed to bring it out for you in Yaffle Press? Uh, yes. Um, it was very... So I am a student and it was ready to go um, to press as I was finishing a lot of essays. So, And I, I struggled to, to do the creative work whilst I'm doing like academic stuff. Mm. So it ended up being very close to like when they wanted it that I finished it and I actually right right like literally just a couple of days before I sent it in I've changed it quite a lot um so when I said I sent it to a couple of friends for last minute edits and then they've got the book and they were like there's loads that you've taken out and put back in and I'm like I know oh yikes but the thing the thing was is because I'm actually planning Two more collections on the same Ooh. subject matter. We'll and come on to that. We'll come on to that in a little bit. Then, how oh, interesting! Interesting. So. Yeah. So some of the poems I felt like I was reserving, and then at, right towards the end, I thought, no, I, I shouldn't hold these back. They belong in in the first collection. So that's why it changed so much. I think. Yeah, I understand you completely with that. So it was because people when people read the book. There is quite a lot of different styles in the book. And I, I, I thought one of my favourites in the book was Confession, because I, I was just telling my wife Amanda this before. Before, and I loved the way he put all the confessions in it, but then changed the emphasis on the confession right at the end of the piece. And like it was like, was that a technique in that piece, for example, and what was planned all along, or did it change as it went along a bit? No, I always wanted to do that because. I think I think that um, so th I feel like the media operates in this binary system where there's a goodie and there's a baddie. Yeah, right? so no, there's good. always someone's done this crime and they're horrible, and you know this person was a victim of that crime and they're automatically a saint, and that's just not the case in the real world. And a lot of a lot of people, you know there's motivations for the difficulties that they're facing in their life. And a lot of circumstances of people are determined by trauma in their lives. And I've, I felt like it was really important that I, I really felt like I didn't want to saint myself, like or saint the speaker in the book. And um, I felt that it was, it was important for me to kind of, trace that trajectory from maybe like moments that I'm ashamed of or like actions that I'm not proud of and stuff. And some of it's a little bit hyperbolated for effect, but, um, you know, a lot of it's based on real life experiences. And I thought that it was really important to do that. Yeah. Nice. So there is, a number of pieces of this book, obviously, you can, you can certainly tell it was. Um, on the piece, um, an estimated one in 20 children, 
where did you get your research for that piece from? Because people look at that piece, there's 20 children's names on there and the name Holly in there, and the Holly's bolded up on the other 20. So where do your research come from on that piece? I think the statistic is an NSPCC statistic. Mm. Um, oh, it says at the bottom. But oh, yeah, it does. Oh, it does. It... Shit for brains. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that, like, the statistics range wildly. So some statistics estimate that it's a one in four um, children that will be, like, the victim of some kind of sexual crime. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know where they are kicked. The, the Ikea, the, Ikea. <laughs> the idea, the idea came from it, just kind of came to me. Um, yes, yeah, I think miracle. that you know, something that's uh, something that my my dad said to me once was that, um, you know, he he felt that it was something he didn't want to come to terms with because it was kind of like the not under my roof thing, you know, and. I felt like with that poem, it was just like you could, it could literally just be anyone. You could just pick a name out and and that's the child, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree straight away with that. So it's another of the pieces I really liked here was, I was um one called The Man Who Helped. Because uh, this was an interesting one where it felt like this was a piece that was an interlude between poems and me nearly. But I loved in the fact way like you were thanking strangers for those minor details on that. And it's like, tell us a bit about that piece then, because that's an interesting one that where it's it fits perfectly in the narrative of the book for me. But it it's, it's a piece that says something but doesn't say something, if that makes sense, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and sometimes I... I know what you mean, and the fact that that's the nature of the poem... Mm. Is it makes it a challenge to articulate it in a normal, everyday kind of language. Mm. But um, it, it's about, uh, so when I was 16, I ran away. Um, mm. And it was, there was just this moment where it was like, as well, I think like the man who helped as a title, because a lot of people would look at that situation and probably not take the view. <laughs> that you know it was a it was a helpful thing to do but it but it was um i feel like yeah. i'm kind of struggling to articulate this the sentiment of it um no it's fine uh, so i know it makes sense make, I, I, I get me on about straight away without does it it's because it's he said it's one that's a minor a minor detail that says a lot basically so yeah no i agree i agree with that one so I do so, yeah, of... so for that one, I'd say read it and make up your mind, make up your own mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. That, that, that's the great way of saying it. I think the same also applies to the next one I'm going to ask you about. This one's probably my favourite piece in the book, actually. View from the boys staring at me in A&E. Now, this one, I thought you got the character right of the young boy in this one. Spot on, actually, you did. So tell us about that one, then. So, um... So I think that's there's a there's only a couple of persona poems in the book. I think one of them is induction, and another one is this poem. 
and mm. it's not something that I particularly um like set out to do but it it felt appropriate mm. to have that outside perspective of somebody looking at me and noticing the kind of wrongness of the situation yeah yeah, yeah. um and it's it's based on a really distinct memory i have from following a huge overdose when i was 16 when i was in a mm. um and i just remember locking eyes with this boy who was similar to me over the kind of landscape of the a e department and that's where the poem comes from just that moment yeah it's beautiful tone it's a really touching beautiful piece and it's i think it shows the piece to me like because like i when i obviously i came diabetic what 11 years 11 12 years ago now i had a similar situation with an older lady looking at me when across the wings from an ae ward i was in who basically had overdosed as well so yeah, I, I I got it straight away. It made me think of that one, so brilliant. Now, there's a lot more in this book, like we said, 40, but I just want to touch on for the last piece in this book, really, and the and maybe piece that concludes the book, because I felt myself at the end of it where you took it full circle with the realisation, didn't you, where I'm not going to say anything about where you realise you're not dirty and yourself on it. So out of the book itself, where, was this poem or piece, I should say, wrote quite early on, or did it come towards the end of the book when you were writing it? Towards the end. And yeah, I thought I, so. so, yeah. It was a very, it wasn't a very crafted piece, and I, mm. I, I cut a lot away from it. This one got very seriously edited because mm. um, it was it was very emotional and very unrestrained. Um, mm. But it felt kind of important to say, um, and I know that it's a so a lot of the pieces, some of them are, are not in there because because they're the best poem. But I know for a fact that a lot of the poems touch on very common strands that a lot of survivors of sexual abuse like experience through mm. the whole process of surviving yeah. and and that poem at the end I felt like it might not be like the most crafted poem but I know that it's something mm. that a lot of people experience this need to be heard especially in the face of not being able to obtain justice through the normal avenues so like yeah. criminal prosecutions and things like that yeah no straight away with it yeah I agree with you. I can see we get to that straight away with that. So, yeah, and I think it was like it was the realization for me as well, where they're like, and I'm not going to read the piece out, but take, make yourself realize there is more to life than this. And you you can live your life, and I think that's what I think it really something. It brought the book to a really touching and quite beautiful ending for me straight away with it. So powerful stuff. Now we'll start wrapping up now because I want to give you a chance to read out a few pieces for us in the second half. But you've hinted already that uh, you've got two more books on mind for this, haven't you? So so can you tell us a little bit more about what, what your plans are going forward for your writing? Yeah, so I'm planning on doing two more 
dirty books. So, mm. but I'm writing them simultaneously, and yeah. I had a plan. So this is the plan, but it's subject to a lot of change because it's a very it's life. Rough plan. It is life, and yeah. you've got a young you've got a young son to deal with, so plans change all the time. <laughs> yeah, so I've thought of the titles "Dirty Two and "Still Dirty," and I've thought of the the second one being. So there's a lot of detail that I've not covered in the first book, mm. um. So. Uh, we've not mentioned the fact that this is female perpetrated abuse. Yeah, the books, the book talks about. I got um, it. I got it. But you did it very on the on what's the word? Not you didn't push it in people's faces, and I, I worked it out. Yeah, it was um, one to think about. Yeah, no, oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And then the, another dimension to that is that um, they were pregnant for a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, that this was happening. And there's just certain other elements and stuff and things in the narrative that I'd like to explore. But I feel like the narrative is still so uncharted, but there's great poets out there doing great work like Alice Hiller and other things uh, and other people to kind of make this path more charterable Mm. for people that want to go down it. But I do feel like I'm almost paving my own way with this book. So the second book was going to be more of that kind Mm. of delving but I also wanted to reach out a little bit and start thinking about because I've seen it's a narrative playing out in other people's lives as well um so I but I wanted to write about it in a way that I'm not taking over their narrative but how it how it affects me to see that you know and um and then the third one would be more based on recovery I think but I don't know if I want them to be released in that order and I might Mm. end up in the third one first and then the second one later. Um, So we'll just see what happens anyway. But those those are the two. And I'm writing a novel, but I've been writing that for ages. So so you know you hinted at the man who helped and I said about a runaway and the novel's a fictionalisation of that whole experience. Oh, whoa, whoa. No, I love it. Yeah, how have you found then writing the novel in contrast to your poetry? Because I've got a novel on the go and it's doing my head in. <laughs> oh, it's doing my head in. Honestly, it's like pulling teeth. Um, so Mark does uh, Mark Connors does a novel workshop. Mm. Um, he does a couple, and I go to that, and that's the only way that I'm able to write. I think I've got ADHD as well, and I, I need that accountability because mm. I do think I'm probably better at prose, but it doesn't. I don't get as much enjoyment as poetry, but I think that's a little bit to do with like the attention deficit as well. And I like the fact that you can take an hour and write a poem and sit with it. And it's not done, obviously, because you've got drafts, but you've got something, mm. you know, that looks yeah. a little bit like you can see the shape of it. Whereas with a novel, it's like a lot of time and effort and energy to get to yeah. even the end of the first draft, you know? Oh, blimey, yeah. I can relate to that one, all right, because I'm dyspraxic, so you can imagine what fun I'm having with it, can't you? So, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, of course. Of course, now, okay. If people want to find out more about you, Holly, where do you recommend they go, first of all? Oh, well, there's a little... Uh... I know I know. you've got a page on Twitter, haven't you? So, and that seems to be... 
Twitter. I'm not a, I'm not a great. I, do you know the only reason I have a Twitter is because I feel like a lot of other poets have Twitters, and I don't want to like fall behind because a lot of mm. submission stuffs on there as well. So, but um, I'm more on Facebook, um, to be honest. But I do have a Twitter that can be followed. I think it's at Hollett underscore bars. Yeah, um, but obviously people can find you on Facebook as well, so straight away if you look for you, straight away, yeah, so, so that's fine. If people want to get hold of your book then, Dirty, where do you think they're best going to? Yaffle website. Yeah, I've just been look, I've just been looking at that before and some myself before, and certainly when I get paid in a few weeks down, I'm going to be ordering that immediately, so <laughs> I can tell you that straight away, so tremendous. Okay, Holly, well, thank you for the first half. We'll take a quick break, everybody. Let Holly get composed and she'll get a few pieces ready. She'll see you all in two minutes. Spoken label. Hi, guys. Adyen. Spoken label. Fantastic Holly bars. Over to Holly now, who's going to do some pieces that we've just been changing our mind what we're going to, what you, Holly's going to read here. So if you're expecting some pieces that were discussed in the first half, they're not happening now, but that's all stew for you. So <laughs> over to you, Holly. Okay. So the first one I'll read is um, Induction. Will you come with me in the water? The water belongs to everyone. Don't you know your body is mostly water? Come with me in the water, the clear, friendly water. Touch it, feel it. I do not want to drown you. Do you like it in the water? The water likes you. The water says hello, say hello to the water. Come deep, deep. Yes, get deeper in the water. Good, good, good. Oh, the water, the water, likes the way it feels folded round you, round you, wants to clean you, wants to hold you, wants to keep you. Yes, pretty thing, shouldn't be so pretty. Such a pearl, water wants its pearl, water wants to fill you, wants you all to itself, wants you floppy like a dolly. Water wants to play again. Look what you've done. Now you're all watermarks. Water never forgets. I told you you're mostly water, and so am I. Remember, water never forgets. The water is for everybody, but especially you, and I am not drowning you. The water is brilliant. Yeah, you've, I can see we, when we talked about that one in the first half before. You can see from when you're reading that is how he brought it to life because it stands out on the page anyway. But doing it live like he did, it takes it a different way altogether. So, yeah, so I can see straight away, tremendous. Okay, on to piece number two. Then. Here's a top tip: when you're talking to your kid and your kid says. Why would someone even do that to someone? Don't turn around and say, 
because you looked like your mum, even if there is a tiny bit of truth in it. Lie. Let your pants and your trousers and your T-shirt catch fire. Dance around the lie like you're from a tribe of liars, all worshipping the divinity of the lie you just told. And thank the fire that lies were invented for moments like this. Don't be a dick. Don't blame your kids' genetics, their face, the colour of their skin or their hair or their eyes, the way their nose sits, the fullness of their lips. And whilst we may debate a myriad of reasons why anyone might perpetrate a sexual crime against a child, when your kid asks, why would someone do that to someone? The correct answer is... Really, they've done that one. Oh, yeah. Now, if people wondering before, obviously, like, they can see why now, why you, it works really well, just cutting that peat off as you did then. So, fantastic. Absolutely tremendous, that one, Holly. Confession. I am not a good person. I smoked some weed when I was pregnant, tried to kill myself a few times before that. I had an affair with a homeless guy. I've told beggars to fuck off. I've bitched about my friends behind their backs. I don't pray. I don't always recycle and I use plastic. I'm not vegan. I'm a single parent. I fucking hate the PTA. I've thought about how I would kill my neighbours and their dogs. Poison. I watch porn and some of it is pretty fucked up. I cancelled my donation to Macmillan. I ignore text messages from friends. I act on my bad moods. I don't practice mindfulness. I asked my best mate to adopt my baby whilst I was in labour. I've transported crack cocaine in my bra. I have a talent for shoplifting. I sold someone some expired painkillers. I wear too much makeup. I judge people. I don't pay my bills on time. I claim welfare, but I've never paid tax. A guy bought me roses, so I blocked him. I held a knife to a boyfriend after a nightmare. I haven't had a boyfriend for six years. I hit my grandma once. The last words I said to my mum were, fuck off and die. I prank called Childline. I'm too honest. When I was a kid, I got myself pedoed. Fantastic. Oh, wow. Wow, it's just that piece take, can take you in a lot of different directions. I think the stylistic change of it as well, it's... Absolutely powerful, powerful. Okay, on to an earlier piece in the book now, aren't we? The Magic Circle. Magicians keep their methods in a ring, wear ordinary clothes, ordinary faces, have ordinary jobs. Some people tell you magicians are old men with a pension and no hobbies. This is a trick. Magicians love tricks, especially that one. It helps them, makes them mythic. Magicians love getting away with it. They love their stage and apparatus, their wands, pulling a rabbit out of a hat. 
magicians pick their assistants carefully. But most of all, they love the hoodwink. Magicians love showmanship to flaunt. They love the awe of the audience, the round of applause. Magicians love the climax, the white dove disappearing, a body sawn in half. They live for the wonder in a child's eyes. A good magician never tells their secrets. Do love the ending of that piece particularly there, Holly. Excellent stuff indeed. Powerful, powerful again. Okay. View from the boy staring at me in A&E. She's my age. Must be. It's hard to tell with all the wires. She's like a spider, an octopus. We came here for Grandad. Me, Mum, Dad, Brother. She's only got a nurse beside her. High dependency, it says, over her bed. And her wrists are bandaged and blooded. She's got cannulas in both hands and arms. Grandad only has one. She'd be fit if she wasn't half dead. She's got that princess thing. No white. Sleeping beauty. Except I think she's waking up. Oh, she just threw up. Shit, she's looking at me. She's my age. Must be. My mum gasps, pulls my arm. Don't look at her. And maybe if it was only me that had suffered, then I could hold it in and die the martyr and pretend to myself it was worth it. And yet there are other kids in the world who have no way out right now. And if I spent all my life crying, it would still not save them. And the taste of that reality is in all my food and all my coffee and all my little distractions I have gotten so very good at. I am obsessed. Living a life beyond this feels too much like pretending. And I am terrified to discover everything I was taught about myself was bullshit. And I am not dirty. Great ending. Great way of wrapping up that today, Holly. Tremendous stuff. Really, really powerful. Thank you today for this, Holly. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. As Don Carlos, by the way, before we can forget Holly, hang around because I do need to talk to you off mic anyway. But as Don Callis over at Impact Wrestling says, stay safe and stay over, and we will see you all next time. Spoken later.